Chris, welcome to episode 272 of X Lapsed, where it's a uh, it's unlimited day. So, uh, as with the past several unlimited days, I'm going to endeavor not to waste too much of your time being repetitive. You guys know me; I'm very, very repetitive. I'm not very creative, so I I tend to uh, glom onto you know ideas that I have and uh, kind of really dig into them and uh, reiterate them and try to restate them in different ways to make myself sound like I actually have anything to say. We're going to try to eschew that for uh, at least the unlimited day uh, until things change, right? Which, uh, spoiler alert, I have looked ahead and uh, there's there's no end to X-Men Green in sight. <laughs> I don't know what chain letter I broke, but uh, yeah, this one um, must continue apparently. So let's get into it. Let's hop on in. Uh, we have X-Men Unlimited number 10. We're going to say October 2021 cover. And uh, it might be worth reminding people that with the 10th issue here, this now has as many issues as X-Factor did before it got canceled. So next week, it's going to have a higher number than X-Factor did. That's unfortunate. Um, story is X-Men Green Part 6, though it's not titled anything, we're going to assume that it is, in fact, X-Men Green Part 6. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Emilio Leso. Uh, colors, Rachel Rosenberg. Edits, Amaro Biso Whitesabalki. This one appeared on the app on Halloween of 2021. Gives new meaning to Trick or Treat, doesn't it? Anyway, we open in Manhattan with Emma Frost, Jumbo Carnation, and Kalisto. They're being mobbed because, well, naturally, people love Jumbo's clothes. Can we just be done with this guy already? Like, do we really need to see this guy all the time? I don't know. But then they're approached by a fella who Emma thinks just wants an autograph, and she's like, hey, I'll just make you think I gave you an autograph. But well, he's not interested in that at all. He's here in actuality to serve them on account for a wrongful death. And so she hustles back to Krakoa and into the quiet council chamber where she brings this to the attention of the most powerful telepath in the world. Now the gist here is that uh, Cyanide and Puppy Kickers Incorporated is suing Krakoa for two billion dollars over Nature Girl's tantrum. Xavier points out that the world is most definitely watching to see how the mutant nation responds to this situation. Emma says that she can stall the lawyers for a little while, she'll do it as long as she can, but at this point, Chuck's got to do everything in his power to get the antlered idiot back to the island. Oh, and it's worth noting here. She hilariously threatens to send the Marauders out to deal with this, as, as if she actually gives anyone in that book or on that team a second thought. Like, does she even remember that they exist in the first place? I barely do, and we talk about it every month. Whatever the case here, Xavier's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And so, we hop over to the Evil Oil Company, which is in Canada, apparently. Huh. 
I, I thought this was like a Marvel, you know, isn't the United States the worst sort of story? I didn't expect the Planet Destroyers to be in Canada. I, I actually didn't even think like anyone was allowed to say anything bad about a country that wasn't the United States. Is, is poor Jerry going to be cancelled? Huh. Anyway, Xavier gets through to Nature Girl, who immediately hops to. She agrees to return home and face justice. And she says all this stuff out loud, by the way, which really trips out Sauron and Black Mamba. And, like, they, like, make, like, hilarious faces. So are we really trying to shift this awful story into a comedy now? Oh, oh hell no. I, I mean, we've, met, we've, we've spent, like, a month and a half, two months now being beaten over the head and lectured... We're not going to pretend that this was all a comedy now, right? This isn't like a, it's just a prank, bro, is it? Because that, that, that's, no, 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 no. We're not going to let that happen. Now, Curse, who over the course of this dog crap story, has actually somehow surpassed Nature Girl as the worst ex-character of all time, she tries to shake our hero from out of Xavier's control. Then, Sauron and Black Mamba get into it, and it's all very over the top. I honestly think we're supposed to be laughing at this scene. I really do, and, and come on, Jerry, you know, I usually give you props for your humor. I think you're a very funny writer, but this is like sub-Hickman in terms of, like, giggles here. This is not funny. The Cobra Vipers, they all start making fun of the fact that Sauron carries a gun, but he couldn't possibly use it with his tiny, weird dino mitts. And they, they, they call him Jurassic Clark, too, so, uh, come on, Jerry, come on. Uh, Sauron then demonstrates that he has telekinesis. And so he draws his gun uh, through telekinesis, presses it against one of the Viper's riot masks, and cocks the hammer. We shift back to Xavier, who is still struggling to mentally outperform Curse and get Nature Girl to return to the island. Naturally, though, Curse is able to outperform the most powerful telepath in the world because she's a young Marvel hero. And they usually spend half of their time on panel revealing or being told how awesome they are. Meanwhile, Sauron and Mamba fight until they call a timeout to see what the hell's going on with the antlered idiot and pink Lisa Simpson. Again, I think we're supposed to be laughing at this. It's not funny. Anyway, Curse does her hoodoo to make Xavier's helmet short-circuit and to give him a charley horse. Back on Krakoa, he yanks off the Cerebro helmet, and in this first panel, it looks as though he has a full head of hair. Uh. Magneto tells Emma to tell Logan to get the girls back right away. Back in Canada, Mamba kicks Freedom the dog and socks Nature Girl in the face. Before the action can heat up, however, the sound of snicked echoes through the skies. It's Wolverine, and, uh, duh, this story must be continued. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I did check, and uh, we're apparently nowhere near the end of this one. I don't know what we could have possibly done to deserve this. Maybe we were all awful people in past lives. I I'm... I'm really not sure. Now, as I said at the top, I'm not going to waste any of your time here being repetitive. I'll just point out some new things, new observations about this story here. Uh, first, I was very surprised that the uh, refinery was revealed to be in Canada. I don't know if that was made clear before. I certainly didn't notice it before now, but uh, that was surprising. I I'm so used to these Marvel stories, like, exploring and elaborating on how awful the United States is. And I don't know if this will... Uh, even matter or amount to anything, but it was just an interesting thing to me. It really kind of took me off guard, which I guess we could say that's a positive. <laughs> I mean, it, it surprised me in a way. And I hope nobody takes this as like a statement of any sort, because it's not. I mean, it's just uh, 
one of those patterns that I've noticed in Marvel and in comics in general of late, and it just, you know, like I said, it caught me off guard. The other thing that stood out to me was the fact that it appears like we're trying to shift this story into a comedy, which, I mean, you take a very special episode of a sitcom and then, like, crank up the laughs at the end, it really doesn't work. You know, you, you can't have Blossom and Six at a party where people drink and then people get into a car accident and die and then wrap up with, like, uh, with Joey saying whoa and, and rapping and us laughing at it. It just, the, the tone just doesn't work. So we've had, like, a month and a half, two months worth of stories here where we're just being lectured over and over and over. I mean, dead turtles, killing people, stabbing dudes in the neck. And it feels like now it's like, no, no, this this was all a, this was all a comedy. Don't take it too seriously. This is all just a joke. It's like a really bad um, YouTube prank video where, like, somebody pretends to push someone else into traffic and then before they can get their asses kicked or get arrested, they say, whoa, 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 no, 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 it's just a prank. Look at the cameras, you know, and then, then everything's just forgiven. It's as though, like, three or four parts into this endless story, they realized, wow, this might be the worst story ever written, or the worst X-Men story ever written, and that does cover a lot of ground. And uh, how do we pivot? <laughs> how do we pivot? I mean, this is not good stuff. And so we veer into the comedic, or the attempted comedic, in order to, I don't know, maybe take some of the piss out of it. I, I, I really couldn't say. It just felt like a very forced shift in tone to me. And... Uh, yeah, after being lectured for all these weeks, it just didn't land right for me. Anyway, let's get on to Jeff here. Uh, I was a little nervous when I was putting together this episode. There was no It's Jeff number 11 for next week. Uh, it did show up. It finally did show up uh, yesterday, I believe, as of this recording. But I thought for a minute that uh, maybe Jeff was only going to run 10, 10 installments. But uh, no, no, Jeff is going to keep going on here. But uh, before we get to the 11th next time, let's take a look at the 10th right now. It's It's Jeff, number 10, October 2021. The story's called Tummy Trouble, which it took me about eight takes to get through. <laughs> I just could not say Tummy Trouble. Uh, written by Kelly Thompson, Art Gurahiru, edits Go Wackasabalski. This one appeared on the app on October 28th, 2021. And this one is a quickie. You see, Jeff the Landshark's got a pretty bad bellyache, as the title might suggest. And so he's on the couch, then he goes to the floor, he starts writhing around, he does this for a bit before Hawkeye shows up. And uh, that's Kate Bishop, by the way. And hey, have I have I mentioned how annoying it is to have two characters named Hawkeye? Yeah, I, I probably have. Anyway, she takes him to see the doctor, who performs an x-ray, and so we see everything that's currently occupying Jeff's belly. Now, it's like we've got ourselves a tummy roll call here or something. We've got a hot dog, a donut. Apple core, bone, ice cream cone, candy, cheeseburger, pizza, a fish, a half-eaten potato, a rubber ducky, license plate, a snow globe, and the infinity gauntlet. Kate puts her head in her hand, and, uh, well, we're out of here. And again, in the interest of uh, not boring you with me repeating myself over and over again, I'll just say this was uh, very cute. It was short. It took longer to talk about than, uh, than actually read. But uh, a fun one, if you have Marvel Unlimited... And take the, you know, eight seconds out of your day it will take to uh, enjoy a little uh, Jeff adventure. It's, uh, it'll be worth, it'll be worth the time. You won't be, you won't be uh, upset that you did so. Well, that's about all we have to say about the uh, stories today. How about we hop into the mailbag? Let's uh, start with a letter from Evan talking about Marauders number 22. He says, I don't get Sebastian Shaw. I guess I haven't read enough of his earlier appearances because aside from his mutant powers, his abilities seem to be the confidence to keep those sideburns and a willingness to take off his shirt nearly as often as Jason Statham. 
I think I've said before that his fisticuff-free takedown of the cartel over in New Mutants is the only time in the Hoxpox, Doxrock, Soxfoxbox era that I've seen him to be effective at anything other than backstabbing. And really, his betrayal of Kitty didn't work out that well, did it? They keep telling us he's dangerous and effective, but I haven't seen much evidence. And you're totally right. Um, you know, I haven't stopped to think about it, really, but I feel like they're only making Shaw dangerous enough so that they could have Emma one-up him every chance and actually have it mean something. Because, I mean, if she's just beaten up uh, and, you know, outsmarting a, a buffoon, which he basically is, it's not all that impressive. And, I mean, what she's doing now is not terribly impressive. It's just like a... Yeah, it's like they're building him up. It's like a like an old wrestling angle, right? Like they, they get that gatekeeper uh, heel, right? And they build him up. They have him squash a bunch of nobodies and then some, you know, lower names on the card. And then they have the new hero come in and take down the, the heavy. I think that's what they're doing with Shaw. It's just to use him as some sort of like a facilitatory device to keep reminding us how awesome Emma is because... I mean, lest we go three or four pages without that reminder, I don't know what we would do. Evan continues, You're right, the revenge with Wilhelmina doesn't really fit with the character. I don't mind them tackling dark and serious subjects, and sometimes it can work against the grain, but I don't think it did here. And yep, just like we were talking about during those uh, Wilhelmina episodes, it's such a weird, you know, round peg square hole sort of situation. We've got this madcap, zany, basically cartoon character... And uh, they 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 introduce like a dark topic, like you said. That's that's perfectly fine. You can do that. You can you can darken a character. You can add layers of seriousness to a character. I just feel like the way they did it. Not that this isn't something that should be explored, but it felt like the absolute lowest hanging fruit, and uh, like almost um, hmm, like pandering in a way. It was just like this is the simplest way they could go about introducing character. To Wilhelmina, rather than her just being, you know, an Acme cartoon, it, it just, uh, yeah, it didn't land. It just didn't land. I wish writers would like sometimes fight the urge to go serious and just accept that some characters are silly. You know, I feel like maybe I might be projecting, but I feel like writers think that, you know, it takes more talent to introduce these layers of complexity to the characters where. Sometimes, you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, right? <laughs> sometimes we just have a crazy lunatic character. We don't need the psych evaluation. We don't need to see their file. You know, just let them be nutty. Let them be crazy. Just let them do their thing. But thank you so much for writing in on that one, Evan, and sharing your thoughts. Uh, next up, Jody talking about X-Corp number three. He says, I'll be listening to the review shortly, but here, three issues in, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is I dislike most about this series. Is it page after page of mundane business talk using words that make my eyes glaze over about bandwidth? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Is it the characters? While I admittedly know nothing about Trinery, Trinery, I'd never disliked Warren Worthington III, and as a huge fan of Peter David's X-Factor investigation run, Monet's role as a somewhat Guy Gardner-esque antagonist to many of the team really endeared her to me. Now, I think my real problem with this book is the characterization of Jamie Madrox. While admittedly I haven't read anything with him since that run ended in 2013, and that's on me, and you would know better than I as a fake-ass comics historian, uh, this portrayal of Madrox as an uncaring scientist really misses the mark for me. Has he learned the error of his ways as far as the end of issue 3, and the dupe he sent to observe his son's first steps go? 
Maybe, but this Madrox is a far cry from the Madrox we saw solve his own murder and start his own detective agency. Maybe this is a Jody problem, as this X-Factor series was an all-time favorite of mine and made Madrox one of my top three X-Folk, but it's very off-putting. Hashtag NMM, not my Madrox. And you know, this might kind of tie in with my observation about uh, the change in Wilhelmina's character over in Marauders. It's, it feels like a very low-effort way to add layers to a character who, you know, either doesn't need it or had already been kind of fleshed out. I mean, as you put it here, uh, the Peter David Investigations run was wonderful. And it lasted a very long time. I mean, and it was basically Jamie Madrox's series. It was a solo series with an ensemble. You know, it was mostly his story. And I feel like so much of that has been just jettisoned. I know that Jamie did come back during the Rosenberg, Brisson, Thompson, Uncanny, uh, the, uh, what was it, the X-Men Disassembled 10-parter that led into the Age of X-Men. And I know he came back as kind of a different character, and I know he died at some point, again, <laughs> and then came back. I know uh, Rosenberg did a Madrox, uh, or a Multiple Man miniseries, probably, boy, I know I was already gone from at that point, so probably, what, 2017, 2018-ish? So I don't know what happened in those stories that might have made him a changed man here. But ever since the Krakoan era has begun, Madrox feels like... He's been relegated to filler. You know, he's just like, we need a bunch of characters, just throw a bunch of dupes in. We have, we need a bunch of characters to do something, and uh, some of them might die, so throw some dupes in. Now, if I had any confidence that this was leading to some sort of an existential crisis and him trying to, like, really, like, zero in on a purpose, then I'd, I think I'd be okay with him kind of doing the whole pivot from, you know, family man and fleshed out detective to scientist. But I have zero faith that that's where this is headed. I feel like he's just a placeholder, and very little thought went into this other than, hey, we can have all the Jamies work in a lab. And really, from what I've observed so far, the person writing X-Corp doesn't even read the contemporary X-books, let alone the entire Peter David run. So it's entirely possible that that entire, you know, layer of Jamie's life has just been not even forgotten about, just not known. In any event, I uh, think I would agree with you. Hashtag NMM. <laughs> not my Madrox either. But thank you so much for writing in, Jody. It's always great to hear from you. Uh, finally, we got a letter from Andrew Franklin talking about... X-Men Green, and it's a kind of just an overview here. Uh, not a very specific overview, just an overview. Andrew says, It's become hilarious to me just how many chapters this story has. Of course, if I were actually reading it, I would more than likely feel differently. It's really terrible. And yeah, yeah, it, it sure is. <laughs> you know what, I hate the fact that I can't hide that. And while I promise not to go into broken record mode earlier, I guess I'm going to break my promise now and just say, I don't want to dislike any of these books. I spend way too much time with these books, reading them, writing about them, recording about them, sharing them, discussing them later. Why would I ever want to hate these books? <laughs> I really don't. Um, so when some books come along that I don't like, uh, it's... I assure you, I'm in no way trying to be a provocateur. I'm not trying to raise anybody's ire. I'm not trying to annoy anybody or get under anybody's skin. It's just me being honest about my thoughts about a book. And X-Men Green? 
I wish I could sugarcoat it. I wish I could get excited about it. I wish I could even passive-aggressively say how much I like it. But that's just uh, not in the way I do things. So when I don't like something, I'm going to tell you. And unfortunately, yeah, X-Men Green is something I do not like. I do not see a reason for it to exist. It actually is something that... It's, it gives me a feeling that I haven't had in a very long time where I, I actually dread talking about it. That hasn't happened to me in ages. I mean, I've complained about books before. Sure, there are books that are not my flavor, right? Excalibur has, you know, is more miss than hit. X-Corp was just rotten. Uh, Fallen Angels was kind of campy, but ultimately not that great. The Empire cash-ins were ugh. But honestly, uh, while some of them made me question my sanity, they didn't make me... Like, literally dread The weekend Because I know on The weekend I'm going to read <laughs> X-Men Unlimited. And it's like I'm actually actively dreading having to do it. Not only because I'm not going to like the story, but because I'm going to have to write something negative. Which, again, believe it or not, not what I want to do. But thank you so much for writing in on that, Andrew. I'm, I'm glad to hear that people are actually listening to this episode. You know, the, the Unlimited episodes. Because, as I mentioned... People really don't, and uh, for the most part of the people I've asked, nobody even seems to know that X-Men Green is a thing. So I'm glad that you're out there, and hopefully you're at least enjoying my muddling through. But uh, thanks again. Uh, Now, speaking of thank yous, let's hop over to shout-outs here, thanking the folks who helped to signal boost this little program on various social media channels and platforms and whatevers. First, over on Twitter, I want to thank Jeremiah, Walt Nealon, Dave Schultz, Billy D, Joe Crawford, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Jason Colby, Pat Sampson, The Longbox Crusade, Radioactive Dinosaur, Wayne Burroughs, Mocha Hockey Man, Mark Jagger, Crummy Thick, and 3 Channels, 12 Cents, and 45 RPM. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Chris Bailey, Pat Sampson, Andrew Franklin, Jeremiah, Evan Bevins, Walt Nealon, Joe Crawford, Billy D, and Herman. Thank you all so much in your efforts to help raise the profile of this silly, silly little show. Let's do some more thank yous. Let's hop over to patreon.com slash xlapsed, where we can thank Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse D. Young, Damian, Peter McPherson, Mark Jagger, Herman, and Andrew in Belfast. Your support is amazing and incredible, and uh, there's plenty more uh, exclusive content coming over there. I've got a top-secret project that I'm uh, working on right now. I've got a few more scripts already written. i uh, got another Sales of X uh, in the works here, almost done, just formatting pictures for that one. And I even came across some audio that uh, I don't know if I want to share it, but uh, back in 20, 2018, I believe, it was 2018, Reggie and I were invited to be part of something called JL May, which is a, uh, a group of podcasts getting together and doing something Justice League, Justice League, no, Justice League related, easy for me to say, during the month of May. This was May 2018, I believe. And we did the Silver Age, the, uh, the Mark Wade, um, it wasn't really a miniseries, it was like a collection of one-shots, basically, bookended by, uh, by a, I guess, a start and an end. But uh, we covered a an issue of that, and as part of the hype for that event, all of the shows involved uh, did a little singing bit, <laughs> a song and dance number here, uh, where it was a like a parody version of uh, Band Aid's "Do They Know It's Christmas," but it was "Do They Know It's JL May," and so Reggie and I had to send in our audio, and uh, so we did ourselves a little duet. 
And um, I think in the final cut that they put together, I don't think my voice is in there at all, but uh, I think Reggie might have like a line in there. We, we really didn't get much play <laughs> in that get-together, but I do have the complete audio of uh, Reggie and I having our duet, and I was considering uploading that. Maybe maybe I will, maybe I, maybe I won't, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. If, uh, if you're part of the Patreon, um, maybe look forward to that, or maybe fear that it might show up in the feed sometime soon. But uh, all the same, thank you so much for your support. Now, let's uh, let's do some plugs here. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, you could do so various ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can send an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook at 90s X-Men. The complete audio archives are available at chrisandreggie.podbean.com and the Patreon is patreon.com slash xlapsed. Well, I think that's going to do it for today. I would like to thank you all so much for sharing a little bit of your Sunday with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. See ya.